0: Find uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, all right? And we're going to jump around a little bit today, but um, before we do, and as you guys are finding it, I'm going to ask you a question, very simple question. If you were shooting uh, bows and arrows, you're doing archery, or you got out your BB gun, or you were learning how to shoot for whatever reason, and you wanted to hit the bullseye, what do you think you should aim for? The bullseye? How many of you guys say, well, if you want to hit the bullseye, hit the bullseye? Sounds simple enough, right? Uh, You're right, but also wrong. If you wanna hit the bullseye, you aim for the bullseye, but you don't just aim randomly for the bullseye, you aim for the center of the bullseye. You don't just kind of hope that it arbitrarily hits it, you gotta pick the spot in the middle of the middle of the middle of the middle. You zero in all the way down to the finest point, and that increases your odds dramatically. It's not just I'm gonna aim towards the target, and it's not that I'm just gonna aim towards the bullseye, it's the dead center of it all. And so today what we're talking about um, is really ultimately, and where we're gonna be ending, is the fact that as believers, we're to take aim, and we're to aim towards Christ. He is our goal. He is our aim. We're to hit bullseye, all right? Um, Let's pray. You guys got it? 1 Corinthians 6. We're going to jump around, but let's pray. Father, as we talk about taking aim, the reality is from time to time, we miss. But sometimes in life, we miss big. And so, Lord, this morning, we are thankful for your mercy and your grace and your love and uh, Lord, ask right now, today, in the few minutes we have together, that you would refine our hearts. Lord, you'd correct our thanking, and as the word says, instruct us in right living or righteousness. Lord, we love you, and just ask that you would illuminate our path a little bit. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. amen. All right, taking aim. Now, uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about attraction and romance and sex before marriage. We've talked about a variety of different things. Today, we're talking about uh, two topics, but ultimately that decision of wanting to hit bullseye, dead center. Okay? Today the topics that the Bible is addressing, that we're addressing, is drugs and drunkenness. Okay? Uh, we don't touch on these too often, but when we do, we got to take a look at what it says. The world has a lot to say about both of these topics. People have a lot to say about both of these topics. So don't you think that we should listen to what God has to say about both of these topics? I want to caution you, in life, a lot of times we live for what the popular opinion is, what's trending in the moment and what's cool. The problem is what is cool now will not be cool this time next year. There'll be a new model of that car that we like, there'll be a new phone or a new game, there'll be a new style of clothing to wear or way to cut your hair, whatever it is, it's always changing. And if what we put our hope in is always changing, then our hope will diminish as quick as it shifts. But if our hope is in Christ and in something immovable, then our hope will be immovable. Our joy will be steadfast. And the Lord, when he is our strength, he doesn't move. He doesn't fade. He doesn't change. It's amazing. Just looking back throughout history, things are always changing constantly. Uh, Whether that's science proving itself to be wrong or that's popular opinion or what is cool. When you talk about science, there's a point the earth used to be flat, right? Remember when the earth was flat? You can put the picture up. The earth used to be flat. You remember that? Anybody remember when the earth was flat? it was never flat. We were wrong. And Columbus wasn't, he's supposed to just sail off into oblivion and die, and he found out, hey, the world's round. Um, Look, popular opinion changes sometimes. It was flat, now it's round. Any of you guys ever see a cassette tape? How many of you guys have seen a cassette tape? Okay, how, any of you guys like, I don't know what that is? There's always, okay, there's a few last, don't, Don't feel weird. We're the weird ones that know what it is. You're not weird for not knowing. This is what you used to play music on. There were no CDs or anything like that. You would record that. Now they're outdated. It was CDs, and honestly, CDs are becoming outdated. Now it's iTunes or something on the internet you just download. You don't even go to the store to buy it anymore. Movies are the same way. A lot of movies we buy at home, we just download them straight onto our device instead of uh, going to Walmart or whatever it is and picking them up. Uh, It's crazy, that what was popular and what was cool is changing. Remember uh, the horse and buggy? We've all seen pictures and thought, whoa, how cool. That was, their, that was man, mainstream transportation. If you were doing well, you had a nice horse and buggy, and uh, that's how you got around. But nowadays, right, in my dream, we'd have a, a sweet, sick trophy truck, just, Bruh! like, things change. Constantly, maybe it's a race car or a motorcycle for you or whatever. Imagine taking that back to the guy on the horse and the buggy. Man, you think you're cool and take off in front of him. Things are constantly changing, constantly developing, constantly moving forward. Opinion about holiness and righteousness and the Lord, people's opinions will shift. But what the Bible has been saying for all of eternity, something that is eternal cannot get old, by the way. It is as true today as it ever was. And when we look at these topics in life, it's not what's cool in the moment. It is what has God spoken out of eternity. There's a time when things change. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse 9 through 10. We look at these topics and things are changing right before our eyes. Within your lifetime, things are already changing. Some of these we've looked at. I think it's interesting. They kind of fall into different categories. <clears throat> it says, do you not know? This is in 1 Corinthians 6. You guys should be there. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, don't be deceived. I don't want you to be tricked. He's telling them because he loves them. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. These all fall into sexual sins. He says, These are not good. You cannot live this way. He says, nor thieves or, or people who are covetous. They want something. They're greedy and hungry for more. That's not good either. Nor drunkards. No revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Popular opinion right now isn't necessarily in line with what God has said. And most of those topics, a few still, extortioners, stealing stuff, greed, we would never say that's good, but the world is changing its opinion about what is right and beginning to call what is right wrong and beginning to embrace what is wrong as if it were right. It's changing. Right in front of us, more and more and more people are pushing for tolerance and acceptance, but at the same time, don't understand what they're really asking for. If something's bad for you, if something's horrible, if something's bad for you, and they outlaw it, is that a good thing? Yeah, of course, that's a good thing. It's, it's, you're trying to protect people uh, like when they outlaw going 100 miles an hour on the freeway, right? That's it's not a fun thing, but it's a good thing. It saves lives. It keeps people safe. Now, if they were to take that speed limit away and change it, does that mean that all of a sudden it became safer to drive faster? No, it just means they changed the law. It doesn't change speeding is safe or unsafe. It just means the rules and regulations have changed. People are taking things and changing the rules and saying, well, because we changed the rules, it must be good for you now. That's not true. Just because you change the rules doesn't mean the results will change at all. We could change the rules and say, hey, did you know humans can hold their breath for an hour underwater now? I'm gonna tie a brick to your feet and push you off the pier and, and, and you, can, you can breathe for an hour now. I can make a rule, but that doesn't change the results. You're going to drown. It's over for you. In the same way God says, hey, I've set up these things to keep you alive. You are my masterpiece. You are my workmanship. Remember, irreplaceable. There's no one to take your spot. And so he wants to guard and keep and preserve and he has spoken about a lot of things in life. But just because the world says, hey, we're changing our opinion doesn't mean we should change ours. We don't set our lives and our decisions based upon what's trending in the moment. We set it upon Jesus Christ and what he has spoken. Um, Alcohol was illegal at one point. Remember the prohibition? You've heard of that probably in history. It ended in December of 1933. Does that mean now all of a sudden it's safe to drink and drive? Of course not. Just a few years ago, they started pushing to legalize marijuana and drugs, and they did. Does that mean it's it's good for you now? It still has the same effects. It still messes with your brain. It still has long-term uh, uh, penalties or, um, what's it called when you mess up, man? Consequences. It doesn't change its effect. As if we embrace something, that doesn't change what it does. The results don't change because of the rule. So let's take a look at a couple things, all right? Drugs. What does the Bible say about drugs? A couple different things. It's interesting when you look at it. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Word that stands out, especially in our talk this morning, soberly. What does soberly mean? What does it mean to be sober? You're not drunk, right? Okay. What else does it mean? Is that that's how I always understood it? And that is what it means. But there's a greater. What do you think? To live in the right mind, you got. There's an even bigger definition or a broad one. We look at the dictionary. To live soberly means to live with a sound or a right mind. Not to let your mind be clouded or to be altered or to be changed in any way. Obviously, alcohol does that, so we we deem it oftentimes not to be drunk. But it means to be sober. It just means to be clear-minded. Anything that can come in and mess up with the way that you think or perceive things to be, God says, I don't want you to have anything to do with it. And that can honestly open up a discussion about a lot of things. What about movies and what about music and what about all of this stuff that's going on around us all of the time? For today, we'll focus on our topic, but it says, your mind is to be clear, to make decisions, to live rightly before me. Galatians chapter 5 talks about it pretty clearly once you understand what's being said. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 19, it says, now the works of the flesh are evident. It's obvious, you can see it. They're adultery, people cheating on each other, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery the key word we're going to look at in a minute, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, it's not good, selfish ambitions, isn't that crazy, selfishness, man, that's bad news, dimensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, anything like it, the word sorcery, some of your Bibles might say witchcraft there, some say sorcery, the word in the Greek, if you look it up, get your dictionary out, it's pharmakai, all right, It's a word, a lot of people tell you, it is where we got the word pharmacy from, or place where you go buy drugs from, okay? Pharmakeiae, in what was known as the Greek back then, the the definition uh, is the use of mind-altering drugs uh, to be poisoned, and it often is associated with sorcery and the worship of false gods and demons. They would use different drugs to change their mind, open themselves up to the demonic presence, uh, and engage in worship of these false gods. Crazy, 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 crazy stuff. Why are drugs bad? Not only do they mess you up physically, mess you up relationally with your friends and family, but they literally open you up to the demonic world. I remember talking to an old neighbor of mine that was convinced he sat down and talked with demons. He was out of his mind. He was so freaked out and crazy. Dude, I did this thing, and there are demons in my house. Do you think he was lying? I don't think so. God says, I don't want you going anywhere near this stuff. You begin to open yourself up to things I had no intention on you ever having to deal with. When it talks about being sober-minded, it talks about this word pharmakai. In your Bible, it's uh, either sorcery or witchcraft. God says, you stay away from it. Interesting, when it talks about being sober, being right-minded, found an article a couple days ago that says marijuana. That's the most popular uh, drug, typically, for younger people in SoCal. Marijuana contains a chemical called THC, which inhibits brain function and can leave permanent or long-lasting effects even after you've stopped smoking it. Because of how it affects the brain, it's also dangerous to drive after using marijuana just as it is after drinking alcohol. It has a bad effect. It's not just in the moment, because even afterwards, it has a long-lasting or permanent effect, what people won't tell you. There's a lot of things going on that people don't like to talk about or won't share the information on. And by the way, I'll probably forget to say this later, so I'll just say it now. People want to argue all the time, well, it's good for cancer. There's a lot of good things that are good for cancer. Well, can I have a glass of wine at night? Uh, My mom says it makes her heart feel better. Okay. The The doctor said it's good for blood pressure. Do you know what else is good? I looked this up. What are other options? Going for a 15 to 20 minute walk is as equally good. Uh, talking to a friend for 10 to 15 minutes on the phone about something positive, listening to calm music for 10 to 15 minutes, uh, being still and just turning off all the noise and TV and putting down your phone for 15 to 20 minutes all have exactly the same effect as this. Isn't a glass of wine good for you? No. No better than going for a walk, and your walk does your lungs and your brain and your heart and your blood pressure. Talking to a friend builds relationships at the same time. I mean, there's w- all kinds of other options. We try and say there's this is one good effect. Does that mean we neglect all the other bad things? Not necessarily. What people won't tell you, drugs work. How do they work? They work by messing with your brain. I don't want anyone in my brain tickling it or, or making it change the way I think. I just, I like my brain the way it is. Thank you very much, I have a hard enough time making sense of the world the way it is, let alone getting in there and messing it up with a bunch of other chemicals. But drugs work by interfering with the chemicals in your brain, and they change the way. There's a couple different things. That's your brain, by the way. On the left is someone who's used marijuana kind of uh, consistently for a while. On the right is not. So anyone says, oh, it doesn't really affect you. Dude, it eats away at your brain cells. Give it enough time. If you meet someone that's been on drugs too long, you can tell. They're like slower, a little bit different, and they act strange, they might have different beliefs. Yes, sir. One time I saw a guy that that actually drunk that actually had too much marijuana that mm-hmm. was that he was actually taking his class and trained up on his head, And a guy came by and asked him, What the heck are you doing? He said, I'm putting my brains back in. There you go. Um look at you can put throw up the list there. What does it do? If this is a mild drug and things that don't do that bad, marijuana itself it affects the way that you think. Whether you perceive time to be. You don't understand what's going on, how fast or slow it's actually working. Your coordination and balance. If you meet an athlete today and he's awesome and then he starts doing drugs, give him a few years and see how well he's doing. He's going to begin to slack off. Uh, your attention, it gets messed up. You can't pay attention the same way as you used to be able to. Your memory gets messed up. Your judgment, your ability to discern right from wrong and good from mad and what you should and shouldn't do gets messed up. It's crazy. It's insane. They found out after doing some studies, it's kind of interesting. You can throw the next slide up. Um, and by the way, no one does better in school because they start doing drugs, right? No one gets a better job because they start doing drugs. No one gets along with their family better because they start doing drugs. All of those things decrease. They've done a study, found out people who are consistent drug users, users on average, have an income that is 28% lower than non-drug users. Right? Like, oh, 28%. Is that a lot? It's a lot. Let me do some math for you. If I make $20 an hour. Okay, If I make $20 an hour, and I'm not doing drugs, and let's say you mess up and start doing drugs, and we work at the same company, I'm going to make 28% more money than you on average. Whether you can't show up on time, or you forget how to do your work, or you work slower, or you can't pay, whatever. All of those other side effects we just listed. But you don't promote, and the company is far, and you just kind of hang out where you are. I will make 28% more than you. If I make $20 an hour, that means you will make maxing out $14.40 an hour. And someone's like, well oh, that's still pretty good. Well hold on, let's do some math. In a week, a single week, seven days, five days of working, I bring home an extra $224 a month that you miss out on. An extra $224 in a month, it's almost $900. It's $896 a month I make more than you. Just because I don't do drugs. That's the only. It's not because you're dumb and I'm smart. It's not because uh, I graduated from college and you didn't. It's, not, it's none of those things. It uh, goes on, that's monthly. Yearly, I make an over $11,000 more than you do a year. Just because I don't do drugs. Every 10 years, what is that? It's $110,000 every 10 years. You work for a company for 40 years, that's almost half a million dollars you missed out on. So, be smart. Right? It's crazy. Talk about gateway drugs. You ever heard of the term gateway you guys mostly. I don't know if they still have the D.A.R.E. program, but teachers and parents and police officers and all kinds of stuff. A gateway drug is one that opens you up to other drugs. I'm never going to do No one ever sets out to be a hardcore uh, drug addict. No one does. So how do they get there? They're gateway drugs. They don't seem that bad at first, and then eventually they end up trying harder and harder and harder things. How does that work, though? Well, literally, the way that drugs work, they impact your brain. So this is nuts, but they call it, uh, well, it doesn't matter what they call it. So you take drugs, and let's say you get like all crazy, super happy, or, or weird for like five minutes. All right, and this—you you take drugs the first time, you're like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" The next time you take drugs, guess what? It's only this crazy. And the next time, it's only this crazy. And the next time, it's only this crazy. And so you have to do even more just to maintain. And then, it, then you do more, but it still isn't working. It isn't working. And isn't working. And isn't working. What happens? People genuine—the percentage of people who fall into depression simply just from marijuana use is astronomical. Depression is huge because you start off so high up here, but it never goes, you can't go back to where you started. It's impossible because it's eating away at your brain, and your body doesn't react the same way to the chemical as it did the first time. So you're constantly chasing it, but you can't. It it decreases its effect on you, so you try and do more and more and more, but it doesn't work, so you fall into depression. So then you have to do harder drugs to try and get back to where you were in the first place, and pretty soon, five, ten years have gone by, and your life is messed up how it works it's not you cannot stay in the same spot it's an effect but people don't tell you about it people don't tell you it's going to impact the way that you work and your income and your money and your family they don't talk about how you can't keep up with the initial reaction to it initial drugs or illegal drugs affect the economy this is crazy Illegal drugs affect the economy. According to the John Hopkins University, they did a survey, substance abuse costs are an estimated $414 billion every year in the United States of America. That as a country, we pay $414 billion to try, whether it's rehabilitation, it's cost of accidents, uh, whether it's treatment, all kinds of, that we spend uh, in the prisons, $414 billion every year trying to fix the drug problem. Where does it come from? I don't have a money tree, so where does it come from? It comes from people who work. They take taxes. When you get a job, you will be paying for their problems. Like I don't like that, does it? I wish it would go towards orphans or widows to help in their time of need or something like that, build new freeways so we don't spend an hour and a half trying to go 10 miles but it doesn't. we got some serious problems as a nation. It's across the nation. Going on, uh, man, this is kind of nuts, but with young adults, teens, you guys ever, you know what inhalants are? Anything you smell. smells You ever smell a Sharpie marker? It's like, whoa, that's kind of strong. Anything with that effect, it gives you a headache or it makes you feel funny or weird, it's called an inhalant. Uh, um, the largest group to abuse these substances are 7th through ninth graders, according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, and have effects that cannot be understood. They permanently mess up your brain. Oh, not much. It takes time. I'll give you that. It takes time. But you can't rebuild. Prescription drugs. This is crazy. People take their mom's or dad's medication. Maybe they have an illness or a sickness, and then they start seeking it and taking all these pills, trying to... Uh, cover something up. The National Survey on Drug Use and Health in 2006 found that over 16 million teenagers admitted to trying this kind of illegal drug at least once. It's crazy. It is a huge problem. We'll talk about drunkenness in just a second. The Bible does have a lot to say about it. People have a lot to say about it. The world has a lot to say about it. whether it's commercials, billboards, movies, shows, TVs, friends, strangers, neighbors. What does the Bible say about it? What does the Bible say about it? And I'll tell you right now, we look at these statistics and we'll see some more on this. And we can say, man, let's let's burn down all the farms and, and plow all the vineyards so we can't make alcohol anymore. And let's let's just everyone let's make it all illegal. They tried that. You can try and burn down the farms and plow up the fields and close the stills and the shops. Those things are not the problem. It's man's heart that is the problem. There's a reason people are doing these things. There's a reason that they're, what are they looking for? A hope they don't have? A brokenness they can't fix? A joy that they can't seem to maintain? Are they trying to cover up pain? It's not the substances, it's the heart that's taking them that we've got to reach. You guys have friends that will be tempted, or maybe you guys yourselves will be uh, drawn away and enticed by some of these things. Guys, they're not the answer. They're not the answer. When we put our hope in things that are moving and changing, then our hope will fade away. Drunkenness. The Bible mentions Drunkenness and alcohol 251 times in the Old Testament and 36 times in the New. It's almost 300 times the Bible talks about it. By the way, there are 16 million alcoholics in the United States of America alone. It is the number one drug problem in our country. 16 million people who cannot stop drinking. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18 says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, where dissipation means you've crossed the line, you've gone too far. Do not be drunk with wine, don't cross the line, but be filled with the Spirit. That's our description. use some statistics, but reality is if you took World War I and World War II and all the people that died from World War I and World War II, and you combine them, there would be more people who have died in the last 50 years from alcohol-related incidents than in World War I and World War II combined. It is the number one killer in the United States. 25, if you went to a hospital, this is wild. It ebbs and flows depending on, I don't know, time of day or what, but 25 to 40% of people in hospitals right now are there due to alcohol-related incidents. Almost half the hospital sometimes is full of people who are injured due to alcohol-related incidents. Crazy stuff. Uh, Traffic fatalities, people who die in traffic accidents, 50% of them is due to alcohol-related incidents, related to falling, whether it's downstairs, or it's off a ladder, or whatever. 50% of people who die because they fell down did so because of the influence of alcohol. People who choke, I don't know on what, but they choke to death, 25% of them is due to alcohol-related incidents. This one was crazy to me, but fire, people who die in fires, 52% of people who die in fires is due to alcohol-related death. Suicides. do you want to help people not be sad enough to kill themselves anymore? 60% of them have alcohol-related issues. 64% of murders are related to alcohol. 69% of drownings, alcohol-related incidents. Robbery and assaults, 72%. Rapes, 60 percent, all criminal court cases, 80 percent of them are a result of the abuse of alcohol. Next to abortion is the most destructive force in the US, by far. You can't touch it. Beats cancer, heart disease, disease anything else other than abortion is the number one most destructive force in America. And by the way, 77% of high school students say that they've used alcohol. 44% of all 8th graders in the United States of America say they've tried it. 6.6 6, This is nuts. 6.6 6 million children under 8 years old live in a home with an alcoholic parent. 6.6 6 million kids under 8 years old have to put up with alcoholism every day of their lives. 500,000 9- to 12-year-old kids... Are already alcohol dependent. They're alcoholics before they're 12 years old. 500,000 between California and New York. 11,000 underage youth. 11,000 underage youth try alcohol every day. That's way too many. Way too many. Costs a lot of money. You think you think drugs cost a lot of money? The destruction that comes from alcohol abuse and alcohol related incidents is unbelievable it's one two three four right so hundreds thousands millions billions right 50 billion dollars per year spent on youth youth drinking alone that's not the adults that's the kids 50 billion dollars treating alcoholism costs more than treating cancer you know we all do our fundraisers we get out our pink socks for football or soccer or whatever you do and we do you know walks and fundraisers for cancer? Do you guys know we spend more money trying to treat alcohol abuse than cancer? Fifty billion dollars a year on kids alone—it's insane. Why don't we have a campaign? Stop drinking. Well, that's not right. That's, don't tell me what to do. It's killing more people than cancer. Through suicide, through auto accidents, through fire, through—I mean, a variety of ways. But it is the most destructive force in the, in the country. Uh, treating alcohol is okay, more than cancer. It costs every American this dry. I, I want to get angry about it, but there's not a whole lot we can do, I guess. It costs every American $800 per year to take care of the cost of alcohol related incidents. I pay $800 every year to help people who got hurt because of an alcohol related incident. And so does Joe. Matthew started working this year, you pay it your parents pay it, destiny, you're gonna get a job, you're gonna pay it too. Hey, I'm all for helping people, but we shouldn't have to help this many. Well, just just uh, just make them stop making beer. That's not the problem. The problem's the heart. There's a brokenness going on. Some people try and fill it with relationships, Other people try and fill it with substances and there's a variety of other things that people go after and so it doesn't really matter what the issue is. The issue is really truly the heart. Flip your Bibles open to Proverbs with me. Chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Looking at uh, verse one. There's a lot of statistics. It's cool. We can look at, we're a generation that man, we can look at statistics and find out God's brilliant. He's always known, he's always been right. But we shouldn't need them to prop up our faith. We'll all believe the Bible when you can prove it's true. Man, I'll believe the Bible, and then I'll enjoy when we can prove it's true. But I don't need you to prove it true. God knows what he's talking about. And so what does he say? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, he says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise means wine, when you partake of this alcohol, it will, have, in time, it will make fun of It will mock you. It'll make fun of you. It'll, when your life turns into a pile of rags, you will be mocked by the very drink that you took. Strong drink is a brawler. You'll end up arguing and breaking up relationships all around you. Friends, family, it'll be destroyed. I've seen it happen. makes us unwise. It says it is very unwise to go down this path. They'll destroy relationships, and it will mock you at the same time. Turn your Bible just a couple pages to the right. Find find Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 4 and 5. I want you to look at the effect and and the the how come. Verse 4, it is not for kings, O Lemuel. This is a mother writing to her son. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine nor princes intoxicating drink they drink and forget the law, and they pervert the justice of all the afflicted. She's saying, you get drunk, look at the two effects. When you give into it, you're going to forget the law. You're not going to know right from wrong anymore. You're not going to know good from bad. It's going to be messed up. She goes on and says, look, and, and even worse, as if that wasn't enough, Verse 5, you forget the law and pervert. It means to twist the justice, what is right, for all the afflicted. You will abuse the people that need the most help. You're going to turn everything upside down. You're going to hurt people in the process. Don't give yourself to it. It's unwise. It'll mock you in the end. It'll destroy your relationships. Ephesians 5, we read it a little while ago. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine. Which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. People will argue, and I'll tell you, man, it's probably twenties and up, or I don't know what it is. But there's a really weird vein of thought running around throughout Christianity in the younger church right now. Can't you just have a little bit and be okay? Can't you just have a bottle or a glass and just have a little bit and be okay? You can probably argue that. But is that the heart we have? How little can I give God? How much can I get away with and still call myself a Christian? How close to the edge can I get and not fall off? That's the heart of a believer? I don't I. I don't read the Bible that way. I think it's interesting. We're called to be above accusation. That people cannot accuse us of any kind of evil. Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. It says, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, meaning consistent and repetitious goodness in your life. Not kind of, sort of, every now and then. A pattern of good works in doctrine, meaning the teaching of the Bible, the things that you say, I believe in the word of God, sweet. In those things, show some integrity. Stand for it. Reverence. Honor it. And incorruptibility, don't deteriorate it and begin to say, well, I'll compromise and I can do a little of this and a little of that and still call myself a Christian. Incorruptibility, that you should have sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is appointed may be ashamed, or an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Don't give people anything to say bad about. if I was running around drinking, why would you listen to me ever? Right? We have a family member who's kind of smart, and they know a lot, but they use a ton of cuss words. And so they're trying to give you some wisdom, but then there's like bleepity, bleep bleep bleep. bleep. You're like, I just, it's hard to really like want to listen to, and like, wow, that's such good advice. It's kind of like, ah, oh, it, it makes it muddy, and you don't really want to receive it. In the same way, if a bunch of Christians are running around the world with a bottle in their hand or a glass in the other and, like, hey man, let me tell you about Jesus, doesn't that kind of muddy up our testimony? Why would they want to listen to you? I mean, okay, maybe on this side you could say, well, God, I could still be a Christian and have a bottle. Eh, maybe, maybe. But it sure makes it hard to be an effective Christian, to be his ambassador this is wild. God says, you're my ambassador. If you got saved one minute ago, God says, you are my ambassador. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who is sent forth from a nation to represent its leadership and its people. They go to another place. And so God says, you're my ambassador. You are my representative in this world of both who I am as king and what what heaven is like. And so when an ambassador goes, you can hang out with them and listen to how they talk and what they do and their opinions on things and how they feel about it and what they would do and and all the different laws they agree and don't agree with. And that ambassador understands whatever I say, people can judge. Let's say you're from the Netherlands, all right? I'm from the Netherlands. I'm the ambassador of the Netherlands. Well, if you go hang out with a bunch of Americans, Americans will watch you and say, the Netherlands believes everything you say. And your leadership is just like you act. And God says, you're my ambassador. When people see you, they're to see me. When people see your life, they're to see the life that I want you to live. People are making decisions every day of what Jesus is like based off of what Jesus' people do. So when they see us, do they see a Jesus that is quink-tempered and angry and selfish and running around in the world? Do they see a Jesus that's unfaithful and hard to find, unloving and unforgiving? Or do they see a Jesus when they see us that is loving regardless of their actions that is patient or kind one that is a little bit set apart and a little bit different like we say jesus is i don't know it's kind of wild though first peter four three through five we says we've spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the gentiles we so got enough's enough the church has acted like the world too long. It says, when we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries. in regard to these, they think it's strange that you don't run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Say, ah, oh, no, no thanks, I don't want to drink that. Ah, oh, no, I'm not going to go hang out over there. Man, they're going to think you're out of your mind. What's wrong with you? Come on, go to the party. No, no, I'm not going to the party. Dude, that's stupid, what, you're better than us? I didn't say that. Oh, he thinks he's better than us. They think it's strange that you don't run with them. The same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. He says, don't worry, they will give an account to him, to the Lord, who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Stay true to Jesus. This is crazy, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. This is a huge one for me in my life. A huge one. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, and here we go, it says, and you are not your own. Who owns your body? God owns your body. This is my body. No, it's not. If you're a born again believer, you say, I, I have full faith in Jesus, I am a Christian. None of you belongs to yourself. You belong fully to Jesus. And you are not your own. Not even the hair on your head belongs to you anymore. None of it. Like, I can't go grab your parents' car and go screeching out of the parking lot and tear off down the freeway at 100 miles an hour. It's not my car. And so when I said, hey, Lord, I'm yours. When you said, Lord, I have faith in you. I'll follow you even the hair on your head belongs to Jesus now. And so I can't go grab that bottle cuz he wouldn't or smoke that thing or talk to people that way. You are not your own for you were bought at a price. I want to encourage you guys bought at a price Jesus gave everything. Imagine getting to heaven I will not is all as we're imper, we're imperfect, right? Don't do anything you don't want to give an account for. I don't want to get to heaven, and the Lord's like, hey, why'd you drink that? And now I have to argue with him. Well, you see, in the Bible, it wasn't real clear, and it said that I could have a, don't do anything you're not willing to talk to Jesus about, because he'll extend his hand to welcome you in, and he'll have scars all over the place. He says, I give up everything. What were you doing? kind of crazy I wouldn't do anything I don't want to give an account for but honestly and here's it this is the last thing I want to share with you guys that bullseye we were talking about right there's so many people that just are content oh I I hit the edge yeah as long as I'm on the board I'm happy How come we want to be the MVP of the Super Bowl and get straight A's and be the president of a company and make a million dollars and drive cool cars and eh, not really care that much about Jesus? We want to hit the bullseye in the money making, we want to hit the bullseye in education and graduate from the great colleges, we want to hit the bullseye in the car we drive, we want to hit the bullseye in everything. Why do we want to hit the bullseye in our faith? I'm on the board. I, I, can I do this and still be a believer? I don't. I mean, I, I don't know. I get may, maybe, but that's your attitude. We're to look to Jesus with everything. 100. percent He's the only thing that'll last. It'll all fade away. And so, are you aiming for the edge? Are you content with the common Christianity, or you do want to hit it right in the center? Second Corinthians five nine, last verse. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, meaning whether I'm here with you at church or I'm home with my family. I'm here with you at church or I take my wife out on a date. I'm here with you at church or I go on vacation. You're here with me today or you go back to school, or you're here with me and you go back to the soccer field. Whether present or absent, this is our aim to be well-pleasing to Him, Jesus. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. it's Nuts. Paul says, make it your aim to please Jesus. Don't don't do anything you don't want to talk to him about because we'll give an account, good or bad, we're going to talk to Jesus about everything. Shoot for the bullseye. Don't be content with the edge. Let's pray. Father, Lord, no doubt an unpopular opinion You warned us of those things. Lord, for some of us, it's not going to be the drugs and the drinking. and It could be relationships. It could be our attitude. It could be greed. It could be jealousy. It could be anger. I don't know. But for every one of us, Lord, may we not miss too often. May we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to you. Lord, give us the strength to do it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I warn you guys right now, walking with Jesus is not going to be popular for the rest of your life. But in the end, it's heaven or hell. And I guarantee some people will be much more happier than others. Right? Make the right decisions, guys. Follow Jesus, regardless of the cost. Follow the Lord. Need all the men over in the snack bar.